What's going on, everybody? This is Jake Gilman coming to you live from Seattle. Um, we're missing a couple of people today. No J Page again. You know, I would love to see him on the pod. Hopefully, he's listening. Uh, but I am joined by fellow co-host Zane. Zane, how are we feeling today? What's up, gentlemen? Super special guest host Zane coming to you live from God's country, Spokane, Washington. Um, and to be honest with you, fellas. Uh, not to take the attention away from my 39-week pregnant wife, but <clears throat> I've been struggling this this week a little bit. Uh, I'm coming off a little a little case of the food poisoning that took me out for uh, basically Saturday through yesterday. Um, but I do believe I'm, the, I'm on the back end of it. We are on the mend. Um, my nightmare for the past three days is that Courtney would go into labor. And she would be going through that situation with me in a neighboring room on the toilet, cheering her on from a distance. Um, luckily, I do. I think we are, we have steered clear of that situation, and I am ready to be a fully supportive husband to my wife again. Um, credit to me for for getting out of that. Soon. You're so brave. That would be so funny. <laughs> oh, my tummy hurts. You don't understand. <laughs> Courtney had little to no sympathy for me, despite the fact that I could not hold any food down for longer than like 20 minutes for the past three days. Um, yes, we were releasing from every single end. Um, oh, but we're out. We're out, boys. We're out. We're ready to chop it up, talk zags. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah. Well, we're also joined by our two interns, Dan and Zambi. No Cooper tonight, but boys, how are we doing? Hey, Gilman, doing well. Also joined here by intern Baja. Uh, similar to Zane, I had a, a little stint this weekend in the emergency room, and it was very interesting. Uh, got one run in at Schweitzer, and then I got taken down by a snowmobile. But aside from that, Zags are looking good, and Kentucky is about to win. No, it's tied up. Toss it over to Dan. Well, Christopher, I hope uh, all is well. I'm glad to hear that that was a quick stint and that you're you're doing better. Uh, sounds like the, the Spokane boys were down pretty bad this weekend. Um, <laughs> I'm doing all right, guys. Uh, five miles since I've last talked to you all. Um, nine thirty pace, pace on Saturday. Apparently, my uh, heart rate wasn't up high enough, but uh, we will work on that. And I'm now the proud owner of Hoka's. So, uh, Marathon Dan. Well, no free sponsors, Dan. We told you about this. Stop taking sneaker money. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Well, we have a fun-filled episode for everybody. Uh, we're going to review last week's two wins in convincing fashion, which I feel like that's a first in a while. Then we'll look forward to two high-pressure games this week against San Francisco and St. Mary's, followed by some reflection of how the players have been playing. Uh, or I guess that's before the St. Mary's. Awkward. Um, and then we'll... And with a couple of just fun, fun news updates. And of course, our daily dozen. Um, so I'll start us off, boys. Zags beat, beat but not covered, Portland, 86-65. Um, I hate that Portland freshman who made that last second three, <laughs> rushing the spread. Um, was that like his first basket of the year? His first points of the year came in back-breaking, heart-breaking <clears throat> fashion for those that backed the Zags. Well, that's painful. But the important thing is we did get the win. Um, I think EK led the way 
20 points, but it was really a, a team effort. You know, everybody did what they should against the Pilots. Uh, boys, did we have any big takeaways from this game or just kind of taking care of business? Let me let me paint a picture for you, boys, because I was one of those degenerates that took the Zags to cover this game. Uh, Thursday night, I decide to come home. You know, notice my wife isn't feeling too good. Decide to take her out for a little date night. Uh, little does she know Zane has money on the game. So I, I pick strategically the Flying Goat, where a television will be in the corner. We are watching the game at Flying Goat, enjoying a lovely pizza between the two of us, uh, when suddenly the the cover seems to be in jeopardy. Uh, for the last two and a half minutes of the game, I eventually reveal to my wife that I did take the Zags to cover, and I did take them to cover 22 and a half points, and I think it was in flux for probably the last, like, two and a half minutes, right? It wasn't, it was like, it was anywhere from 21 to 24 points that entire time. I felt... I was so fucking confident that we covered when, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Luca. Luca hit the two free throws, basically talking to like another player from Portland while he was at the line. And then as soon as that fucking freshman took the corner three, I, I knew. I knew in my heart it was all over. It, it was never going to be. And I just slammed the table at Flying Goat. It caused a huge ruckus. Everyone looked at us. My wife was embarrassed. Um, it was a really sad way to end what what otherwise otherwise was a very good date night. Um, that's pretty much all I took away from this game. Um, I do think that this game, there wasn't a whole lot to take away, but I think there was more, hopefully, than uh, Drew Stack getting his first points of the year. He's now averaging 0. 0.4 points on the year, so shout out to him for uh, almost ruining date night there. But uh, I think for me... Six think... seconds in this game. His, his per seconds. minute point average off the charts. This guy's <laughs> averaging 30 points a minute. Pretty great. What the hell brought that guy from Madison, New Jersey to Portland? Anyway, we got to get dream. away. We got to get away from the uh, Drew Stack rabbit hole that um, if anybody could go down it, it's this podcast. Anyway, uh, Jake, I, I think you alluded to it. Um, everybody doing their job. Led by the Portland native, Ben Gregg, getting uh, his first start in that building. Um, the place that he scored his first college points. I think he had three threes in the first half. He was rolling in front of um, a nice contingent from the Gregg family and, and friends there in Portland. So that was awesome to see. And then um, just the overall balance with Watson, Hickman, Ike, all 12 and above. And then there was there was this guy off the bench that 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 showed us a little glimmer in Portland. His name is Dusty Stromer. I don't know if you guys knew that he was he was on our team, uh, but he's this new this new player that I think the uh, transfer portal brought us midseason um, because all of a sudden he showed up um, a little bit, gave us gave us a little glimpse of what we what we then saw again on, uh, against Santa Clara. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, one of those games. I think we all said going into it, win by twenty, get out of there healthy, call it good. We won by twenty one. Um, I did not bet the spread, although I have been watching the spread very closely these last couple of games because it's come down to the final possession um, more often than not. And I'm just sitting there kind of sweating with you guys. So I am I'm living vicariously through you, but uh, not not actually putting the money on the line. Thank you for your yeah. sympathy sweats. <laughs> yeah, um, I just have three three quick takeaways here. I really appreciate the fact that. Um, Ben Gregg's dad always has a photo of Ben Gregg doing something at whatever random stadium we're at. I think that's just 
pretty cool and a good job being a father. Um, secondly, uh, if you guys look, you guys saw the attendance there, right? Uh, it seemed low. Yeah, I feel like maybe just the Zags aren't as good this year. People just don't want to see them. But like, I feel like tickets can be that expensive. And my final point, along with Dan, I did actually did I bet on this game? I don't know you did, unless it was through a different medium. Uh, it could have been a fictional one, but uh, so I was watching it, uh, <laughs> and watching the game with my dad, and I'm like, if they put Joe Few in, the spreads couldn't blow. And of course, at that moment, my mom comes in. She's like, "Oh, Joe Few, is he like the spread breaker?" I'm like, "Yes, yes, he is." And she's like, "Oh my god, I have to tell all my friends." And they have like <clears throat> their own Zag group chat. They just thought it's hilarious. They're also like thirty years older than us, so that's sweet. They have a Gonzaga <laughs> group chat, though. I appreciate that. That's Dialed in on the spread and Joe Few in the group chat. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it, fellas. A couple of key stats that stuck out to me in this game. The first being 21 assists for the Zags as a team in this game. Obviously led by Ryan Emhard with seven, but everyone else, every starter had more than two assists in this game, which is just a phenomenal stat in my opinion. Uh, it speaks to sort of the team basketball that that these guys are playing right now. Um, and and that's that's the reason almost every starter is averaging more than 10 points right now is because the ball is getting dished around so evenly um, and so precisely with without too many turnovers. Uh, the other sort of theme that I've noticed here, man, we are we are taking a lot of threes these days with this team. Uh, 20, 23 three-point attempts this game. You know, we're making, we made eight of them, so you can't really complain too much about it. Um, but I'll touch on this again in, in – <laughs> in the Santa Clara game, but the Zags are not a, afraid to chuck them up right now. And, and, and it seems to be working. I don't know the last, well, I do know the last time, the last time we didn't score more than 80 points was St. Mary's. But aside from that, I think in like the last 12 games, we've probably got more than 80 points, 10 of them. For threes. No, no more than 80 points in the last oh yeah we've been on fire like uh i i, I think was amy and i both saw a stat that was going around twitter that this zag team has the highest in conference if offensive efficiency of any team in the ken palm era which is which is wild like that includes you know our team uh that you know eventually lost to baylor but i remember those games as like okay this shit's done in like the two minutes like into the game so i i found that very surprising i think part of it is how well we're hitting free throws i have been fucking loving the free throw rate recently like 80 percent in the portland game eight of ten but still and then to your point zane you know over 20 assists and we didn't shoot particularly well like we still shot pretty efficiently but it was only like 56 percent from two and I think it was like 34 from three, but like we're just playing great. The The team is finally, and it has been for a while, I think since the Kentucky game meshing, which is I think what has been so frustrating about the losses was you could see the talent, but you could just see that the car was not driving properly. I think Jake, to, what a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dan. I, I was just going to say just one, one last thing on this game specifically, Zane, you kind of alluded to it with the, uh, 
chucking up the threes. I mean, for for Nolan and Ben Gregg to collectively have 14 three-point attempts and make 50% of those, that is phenomenal. And that is what we were missing early in the year. And I think that, um, you know, even though we didn't particularly shoot the three incredibly well at Kentucky, I just think that going into that environment, getting that win for everybody's confidence across the board, um, you know, you can see that reflected in just the way that they're playing right now. And then also just like trusting, trusting them, like trusting their work. The fact that right now, anytime Nolan Hickman pulls a three, I feel like it's going in, um, which we were not saying that earlier in the year. And Ben Gregg, super confident too, even though against Santa Clara, you missed three in a row. Still great shots, keep shooting. Um, I just think our uh, offensive firepower that we were missing early in the year where we couldn't go on that, you know, 10-0 run to break a game open or to really punch back, like, there's there's a lot clicking on offense right now that uh, we definitely love to see. Yep, I agree. Um, I think earlier in the season we had a lot of little things that we needed to fix, and I mean we've mentioned it. WCC play, use that to fix those little things, and I think that's all coming together as well right now. Jake, what what is what are the Zags currently ranked in like offensive efficiency in Ken Palm? And Ken Palm, I believe we are sixth. Let's see, 10th. So, yeah. But again, it's still like we, I think we entered conference play at like 25th. Mm. Like we were uh, not great. And I think we could also be that. So we're definitely climbing. We're six and two point percentage and 10th and effective field goal percentage. The three point percentage is still low, but I mean, we're shooting 35% as a team. And again, that's with, that's counting the first half of the season where mm-hmm. I think we averaged like 30. Yeah. So, you know, that means we're probably been the last like five weeks been like 38 to 40% really. And it's against on, weaker opponents, but yeah. On sports reference, I see that we have the most field goals per game in the country right now, which means we're just getting a ton of shots up in all of these games. And we also have, I don't, Jake, we always have different stats when we use Kemp Palm and sports reference because I see that we're we're second in the nation in field goal percentage. Well, this is adjusted field goal percentage, ah, effective ah, field goal percentage. So it calculates okay. the it's your opponent's defense it adds in. Because if if you're like some really bad school, but you're playing even worse schools, it it takes that into account. Which is usually suffice it to say, the yeah, we're a good scoring. offensive team. Or score. Um, our defense is is climbing. It's hovering right around top sixty. So could maybe see a little bit better of that. But um, well, that was the Portland game. Um, I'll pass it over to Zane, who was live at Santa Clara, um, fighting the demons, but fighting the good fight. Zane, how was the game? Yep, boys. Well, we we frequently talk about uh, you know, showing up to this podcast and recording um, under, you know, unhealthy conditions, I'd say, uh, calling it our flu game. Uh, The Zags versus Santa Clara in Spokane uh, was an actual flu game for me this past Saturday. Like I alluded to in the intro, um, Saturday morning came around and I got offered tickets to the Santa Clara game, like first thing in the morning, immediately accepted them. Didn't think twice. Uh, The bug hadn't hit me yet. Within two hours of accepting those tickets, um, I began projectile vomiting uh, about every other hour. 
until game time. Um, but I wasn't going to turn down the opportunity to see the last home game of the season, to see Anton Watson's last game in the kettle. I was going to tough it out so much so that I actually puked, emptied the system in the parking lot before walking into the stadium with my wife um, <laughs> to enjoy the game. I made sure there was absolutely nothing else that could come out during the game. And and that, and I, I just sat in my seat for like two and a half hours, didn't move once to get up and do anything. Uh, just sat there the entire game in the same exact position. Um, but it was electric boys. I mean, that environment, even in your most sick, sickly conditions, the environment in the kettle can can bring you to your feet and and allow you to have a good time and get over something like that. Game was phenomenal. Atmosphere was electric. Um, it was really cool to see Anton Watson sort of uh, get his get his flowers from the student section and and the fans again. Uh, he I can't confirm he was the only player that walked down the stands. Uh, there were four other managers, I suppose, uh, that that also got announced, but he was the only player. Um, and the the student section quickly broke out into a into an Anton Watson chant as he as he was announced. Um, and if memory serves correct, there was a little tear in his eye when that happened. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I I don't think Anton Watson had like a great game uh, in his final appearance at the kettle. Um, but it, it was sort of um, reminiscent of the Anton Watson that we've grown to love in years past, where he did a lot of the little things right, fellas, uh, that, that didn't involve scoring. And so that was kind of cool to see vintage Anton Watson. Uh, but ultimately, boys, the Zags beat Santa Clara. Santa Clara, the Broncos, gave us a little bit of a pesky run here for a while. It felt like it was the score, you know, sort of varied between like eight and 14 points the entire time. Um, and they just stuck around. We stretched it out to like 20, 21. And then they made three threes in a row, obliterating the spread. I might add also bad beat. Um, but yeah, they were, they were pesky, but we were not letting them go on runs, which I appreciated. Yes. Johnny, Johnny O'Neill of the Santa Clara Broncos was an absolute zag killer. This game He's four of six, from three, it felt like every time that dude shot a three, it went in. The crowd, the crowd was getting restless with this guy. The the bowels were turning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go for yeah. it, Zambi. Sorry. Uh, mine's pretty quick. Um, so didn't get to catch the first half of the game. Um, was out at dinner, but um, it was kind of interesting seeing a, what's it, mobile? A ball. A ball. Adama ball. That's close. See him kind of like kick it into gear because Elena's like, oh, who's that guy? I'm like, that's ball. Uh, <laughs> and she's starting to learn the players of the other team, but that's okay. Baby steps. Go Zags. I'll say one thing that pissed me off this game was uh, seeing a Tilly on, on another yes. team. Yeah. That was very annoying because like the announcer, like this Christoph, Christoph Tilly, had 18 points against us, and so his name was frequently announced. He also fouled out, I'm pretty sure, which which lit the crowd on fire, right? He fouled out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but but it was just super annoying to to see a Tilly on kind of turn it on against you. Not 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 the same, not the same family, but still a Tilly. Yeah, I think uh with that game, 
like I don't know if anybody had Johnny O'Neill in the scouting report. Like I don't know what that shit was, but apparently like he's not a bad player. He averages double digits. I just don't remember him doing a single thing when we played at Santa Clara. Um, we did do a phenomenal job though limiting a double ball. I think um he absolutely killed us at Santa Clara. He only had eight points. He also fouled out, had some turnovers, looked frustrated all night. Um, so so that was really good to see. Uh, I think it was a classic just performance of people that just elevate their game when they play us in the in the environment, making the most of the opportunity. And Santa Clara was doing that. O'Neill was hitting threes. Some guy named Ensminger, who averages four points, was hitting threes. Uh, that guy, Cameron Tung, who had only attempted seven threes on the year, he was making threes against us. So it was kind of one of those like perfect storms in the first half where it felt like that just wasn't going to uh, continue, and it really didn't. Um, but again, it was also another you know really balanced attack for us. Two guys with 20. Nolan with 20, Graham E.K. with 26 and 7. Uh, Ryan Nemhard, another great game, 17, 6 and 6. And then our guy, Dusty Stromer, baby, off the bench with 10. Um, his second highest out scoring output, I think, of the year. First time he's been in double digits since the USC game. And uh, he did it with two threes, but then he also did it with great offensive rebounds, hustle, heart, energy that we know he's capable of. And it was huge to see that. Um, I think it was just a great performance from this team, and and uh, you knew they were ready to go in this game. Um, after that Portland win, all the all they were talking about was trying to get Santa Clara again, and they took full advantage of that opportunity. Um, one last thing that I will mention is Ryan Nemhart foul trouble second half. We had to go on a run in this game and kind of separate with him on the bench, which was huge for this team. That's why Dusty played so long. And Dusty was able to play well in that role when we absolutely needed him because we got nothing from uh, B Huff again, only seven minutes and two points. So uh, it was it was really, really good for a lot of reasons um, and uh, a lot of momentum going into this week, which will be the biggest week of the season to this point. True. And yeah. then, I mean, you got is anyone else kind of concerned? Like I, I called out the good free throw shooting. Nemhard's free throw shooting. Oh, not good. Like the the home crowd was getting restless with (laughs) Nemhard's fucking free throws. Like not to the point where they were booing, but to the point where every time he missed, oh, oh, every and even when they started fouling Nemhard uh, towards the end of the game, people were like complaining that they were passing the ball to him because they didn't expect it. I mean, pretty sure he finished it off by making two free throws, so it was good to see him close out with some makes but my god three for seven from your point guard is is concerning which which is sort of bizarre in this game because honestly in person i felt like ryan nemhard was the best player on the court in this game i know i know the uh the points 17 points for him is is a lot and they were all good looks i felt like at least from the floor um and he also had six assists to go with that so I really liked what I saw from Nemhard. There were times where offense felt a little flat when when EK had to go out for extended periods of time. I think Watson was out for a lot in the first half, and Nemhard's scoring sort of kept the Zags uh, comfortably afloat uh, Santa Clara in this game. Also, um, EK just dominated. Yeah. I mean, just a shooting. His free throws, 8 of 9. you got to love when your big man can do that. Like, I mean... That is the one offensive qualm against Drew Timmy. I'm sure we all had was he would get to the line. He was 60%, 64%. 
And, you know, EK on the season, 78% from the free throw. That's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, one one sort of <clears throat> concern, or I shouldn't say a concern, but a red flag, I'd say, in this game, uh, if there was any negative to take away from it, is that we got out-rebounded by Santa Clara again. Um, I, I don't know why that is happening against them, but at least in person, it felt like Santa Clara had some big boys going up against EK uh, and, and Watson and and Braden Huff for part of this game. And I you know looked up the Santa Clara roster after and and what is this this O'Neill fool is what six ten, right? And then I think this Christoph Tilly guy is seven feet tall, and then they had another far of seven one. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah, you compared them to our 2017 team in, yeah. in height, not skill, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it felt like it felt like we were just getting bodied on the glass. Like there were times poor Hickman was down there, and it looked like me trying to go up for rebounds in the freaking wreck gym <laughs> when we're playing intramurals. Hickman had such a Hickman set that night where one of five from the two, five of seven from three. <laughs> Love it. You know, maybe cut out a couple of those little Hickman floaters. Maybe if you're going to drive, get to the rim or dish. But uh, got to love, like, I think Dan called out the Hickman when he's shooting the three. I feel like it's going it. Was it this game he had that step back three that I think that once he hit that, I felt like there wasn't a way we're going to lose this game. He had a step back three where, like, I think he low key broke the defender's ankles a little bit. And it was it was dirty. And it came right off the back of a dusty three, I think, too. Yeah, no, literally out loud. I was like, he, Dusty's not broken anymore. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell are you talking about? I, like the <laughs> the way I watch the game, it's like a 20 to 25 second delay. So I got the text where just like, Hickman, oh my God. And that was before <laughs> Dusty's three. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a cool Hickman three. And then it was a Dusty three. I'm like, oh boy, there's another one coming. <laughs> Very exciting. I think one thing about EK in this game too, like first half, it felt like he was just getting beat inside too. Like he was getting bodied by Kafaro and Tilly. But EK, in the last time we played Santa Clara was an awful foul trouble, only had five points. In this game, he just played smart. Like he just kind of gave up a bucket in the first half if that meant he could be on the court later. And he only had one foul. Uh, we needed him to be able to play those longer minutes in this game. So I, I do think that was a that was probably part of maybe why our defense looked a little soft is just because EK just did not want to get that foul trouble again. I'm sure Fuey's been on him too because he usually commits stupid ones in the first half that then change the way that we have to manage the roster the rest of the game. So um, that was that that was definitely a, a a big thing and a good thing to see too in that game too, especially with all that size that Santa Clara throws at you. Does anyone have any idea why Watson? was limited on minutes in this game. I mean, well, he, he had three fouls, fouls, right? So did he, have, did he have three quick ones or did he have two quick ones in the first half? I think so. I, th- I yeah, think you might have two in the first half and then Fuey usually sits a guy if he has two. Yeah. And then I think uh-huh. EK was just playing so well, you, you keep him in. Although he only, I mean, all our centers, like EK 32 minutes, Anton and Ben 30, and then Huff only had seven. So it's not like... We played pretty small this game, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Against, a, maybe, against a big, big ass team, which makes the rebounding stat make sense. Is that what you were going to say, Dan? Well, I actually was going to say, like, no, the, the us being smaller, we could be quicker, more athletic in, in instances too. But it's a kind of, you know, the other side of that coin is the, is the, is the rebound battle for sure. So, 
it's kind of both points made right there. But I, I know one thing else about the Santa Clara game. Uh, we did have a huge recruit in the building, um, Isaiah Harwell. Zane, did you, did you get any eyes on him? I got eyes on him. He was wearing a pretty sick flannel. Did How's you walk look? up to him and just keep farting? Go, just puke oh, all over him. There. <laughs> I, I have a podcast. I, I did not did not acquire uh I was not able to get my media pass in time, so I did not have the floor seats to to lock in that interview. Sorry, boys, that's on me. That's okay. Next time. We'll have to work on that. We'll have to work on that. Um by all accounts though, it looks like the visit went well. I think the quote uh from Theo Lawson from the spokesman was that GU feels like home. And boy, is that good to hear because if that boy stays home and plays for us, that is huge. Uh top 10 recruit. Um, six, six small forward guard hybrid that can shoot it, that can do it all. Really the piece that we, um, I, I'd say we might be missing, but a piece that, that unfortunately now resides in Winston Salem, North Carolina and plays for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Um, but, uh, Isaiah Harwell <laughs> could come in and replace the guy that uh, we once had that, that we had high aspirations for. So, uh, good to see a big time recruit just back in the building. I feel like we haven't had a big recruit. Uh, checking us out in a little while. So outside of uh, he who shall not be named, um, not the guy that this uh, meeting is being held on, if you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I think that, that kind of wraps up Santa Clara. Anybody else have any any takes? I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, I, why am I why am I lost? What platform are we on right now? Oh, Zoomy. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, not nah, fuck that guy. Honestly, exactly. Fuck that guy. That's why I want to say his name. He doesn't deserve it. (laughs) Uh, Last thing I was going to say about about Santa Clara goes back to Anton Watson senior night. Was it weird that few didn't pull him with a couple seconds left in the game to get him the standing ovation? I thought so. Um, I I thought that was weird. I I don't know why he didn't do it. Like, it was almost just like, it was tedious to do it. Maybe. I don't know. Like the game was just going to end. It was like, do you really need to call timeout right now? Like I, he didn't have to I call timeout. Santa Clara was still fouling down the 12 with 30 seconds to go. I yeah. Feel like Watson didn't, doesn't like that. The attention. And then I, what they had him give a speech after. Right. So it's not like yeah. seniors always do. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was watching that and being like, all right, like come on, Fuey, give him his give him his moment. But to your point, he gets that moment afterwards. I don't know, not a not a huge deal. What do you guys if think? Of someone who's though? not going to care, it's Anton. <laughs> what do you guys think of the speech? I heard a little emotion in there. Sound like he was starting to cry a little bit when he's talking. I think he's got to work out his uh, public speaking a bit. Yeah. Well, I don't think any of us are shocked by that, based on. Uh, the interviews that we've seen in, in the NIL uh, <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> but one thing about Anton that, that I think needs to be said is after the game, he was asked just about uh, how he wants to be remembered and and like what his legacy is. And uh, he just brought up the fact that, that, that people say that he's just, he's just what it means to be a Zag and that means everything to him. And um, pretty cool to have somebody from Spokane that has grown up watching this program, went to G prep, started G prep, came in, highly regarded, uh, kind of worked through some adversity, but has just done nothing but win and put up big time numbers. And um, as he said on the court, he still thinks this team's got a lot left and can and can make some noise in March. So I, I would love to see Anton get a legit stage in the NCAA tournament when he is the dude. I think that would be pretty damn cool for his, for his development. The all Spokane team is getting pretty good where you have Stockton, Watson, Morrison, 
then what? So we need a two and a five, basically. <laughs> Can we? Should I make Terry off? Or uh, all Spokane. They're not from Spokane. Oh, oh. <laughs> Can we give Ryan Edwards an honorary Spokane? He's close. Where Where was he from? Kalispell, Montana, Western Montana. That's not, not close. That's not two far. states away. Oh, it's just a little panhandle. Come you, on now. Yeah. You're not going to give the Kispert over him, who's in, who's literally in what, Kittitas or whatever? That's further away. Kispert I think is it is. I, I think it might Montana. be further away. <laughs> okay, we're going to need you guys to do those drives. I don't believe that. <laughs> No. Seattle is further than Kalispell, Montana. Wait. How far is it from Spokane to Kalispell? Well, I've only, only I've actually, oh, shit. I think it's I've like, only well, done that. Ask one question, it falls apart. Two well, and a half okay, hours. let's not two forget, we, we already have a two. We already have a two. Joe Few. Oh, God, two. get the, I'd rather <laughs> play four. That's <laughs> um, our Spokane team. Yeah, one quick note about Watson as well. Uh, my parents were at the game and sent us a photo. Um, so before the players get introduced, they stand in the the excuse me the tunnels above the student section, and he was just signing autographs for like every little kid that went up to him, I guess. So, shout out to Anton. Um, anyone else have anything? Um, I'm yes. Okay, so mileage wise, from here to Corey Kispert's <laughs> high school. 293 miles. Let's go now to Ryan Edwards High School, Glacier. Did you have to look up their high schools, or did you know their high schools already? <laughs> no, he knew. I knew their he high knew. school. Uh, Ryan Edwards, Glacier High School, 243 miles. So, Jake. Oh, the- let's go. Kalispell's closer. All right. So, until we have actual <laughs> Spokane stars. What are you celebrating? You're saying let's three. go. You were wrong. I was correct. I thought he, I said 219. 243 versus 293. Oh, I heard 293, not 293. Oh, nope, Jake. Nope. Go Wolfpack. I covered them when I uh, when I was in Montana. So there we go. I still don't think either of them should count, but I think it just means there's a two guard and a center just lurking in Spokane high schools that will eventually become Gonzaga stars. Sounds like something that uh, the Izagaris and the Inserpies can contribute to. Yeah, you guys <laughs> are going to start. Words. I'll have the five. No, I got the five, dude. Don't worry about it. I got the five. <laughs> Damn, you too. I'm sorry. He's I not too big, but he's he's stout. He's he, he could not be pushed off his spot. <laughs> a Kinda really like a, low center of gravity. Yeah, Kenny Lofton. Lofton, but yep, shorter. Exactly. Kenneth Lofton. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Good All right. Man. And enough of this silly stuff. Uh, so we've already talked about EK. What do you guys think the odds are of him being the WCC Player of the Year this year? I mean, personally, I think he should be the favorite. Um, there was a graphic on the Portland game that highlighted the WCC Player of the Year candidates, and it was Jonathan Mobo from San Francisco, Augustus Marcellonis from St. Mary's, and Anton Watson was on this graphic. Graham EK wasn't even on the graphic. Like, what, what are we doing here? Graham E.K. is the best player in the conference. Um, Mobo, I know that he's allegedly good. That guy just lays eggs in big games. He did nothing against us. He did nothing against St. Mary's when all of us were invested in that game last week, watching it uh, with some with some skin in the game as well. Uh, so, I, I mean, Graham E.K. has just been dominant, a dominant force every game that he is not in stupid foul trouble, which has only happened like once in the conference, I think. 
and if he goes in and if we go through and win both of these games, Graham E.K. is who he's been all year. Graham E.K. will be our player of the year. I'm confident in that. No one, no one named Augustus can be a conference player of the year. Uh, am I the only one who thinks of the fucking Willy Wonka character whenever you hear yeah. that name? Augustus. Augustus. Augustus Gloop. Save some for later, Augustus. <laughs> no, Dad. <laughs> Anybody have any? Well, I mean, he's Hasso newcomer of the year, right? For the WCC. Oh, easy. Yeah, that's a lock. And you know what? The fact that I think he'll be newcomer of the year and it's such a lock might detract from his ability to win player of the year because the WCC is so fucking stupid like that. Well, like, who do you guys think is the player of the year? Like, if it's not Graham E.K., who is it? Okay, give it to Watson. I I do think, yeah, okay, if you're you're telling me Gonzaga players aside, because I would say Watson also. Yes. Gonzaga players aside, um, it's hard to argue with Mogbo's fucking stats, right? He's a top, he's a top six scorer in the lead. He's league. He's the first has the most rebounds. He's got the best field goal percentage. I mean, he's pretty fucking, pretty fucking good statistically. Six most blocks. Yeah, his stats are there, but look at what he did against us when 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 when. Yeah, okay, but you can't look at one game and judge player of the year off one game. Look at both games against St. Mary's. Look what he did. He just doesn't impact those big games. Yeah, it's it's not most statistical. It's most valuable. Would his team even be relevant in those games if he wasn't on them? Like, is his team is like? Or is he just getting double teamed that entire fucking? I don't even know what position this fucking guy plays, so I don't know. I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here. He's a forward. Like we're gonna watch him on Thursday. We'll see. Watch that game and tell me that 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 he's a player of the year candidate. Because if you watch the first game, there was nothing about that guy that said he was a player of the year candidate. Maybe, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's just we had a good scout for him. Uh, but if you just look at the St. Mary's game too, it's like, dude, like you got to have their best players show up the biggest in the biggest games. That That is my argument against Mobo. Okay. Well, wouldn't someone say the same thing about PK against Santa Clara, Dan? I mean, that was one game against the team. That's not that good. He was in foul trouble. <laughs> oh, he baited you. <laughs> no, those are gotcha. He trapped you. Gotcha. Not the biggest game the way that Gonzaga St. Mary's is for USF. Yeah. Okay. What about this fucking Michael Ayai character? Ajayi? Does he go by Ajayi or Ayai? Ajayi. Ajayi. That dude is a statistical freak, also from Pepperdine. What is he averaging? Uh. Okay. Let me see. So he's number one in scoring, league scoring. Uh. He is number two in rebounds. He is number four in field goal percentage. Uh, what about three? Is he a three-point shooter? No, he's not. Not a three-point shooter. Well, yeah. in fact, in true shooting percentage, EK is third in WCC play. Can you guys guess two the two players in front of him? In One what? is a very familiar player. What What is the stat? True shooting percentage in conference what, play. What does true shooting percentage mean? Nobody knows. That's the fun part. <laughs> What is I this? think it 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 has a it it weights your three point percentage differently. So if you make a lot of threes, but like you have a lower overall percentage. I know, I know, I know. Dom Harris. 
It is not. It's actually Anton Watson, number two. And then Ooh. some dude named Nidudo Newbury for San Francisco is one. See, but that I guy, no idea that guy to me is better than Mobo if you watched that same Aries game last week. That Mobo is fourth. Oh, no, Jake. So true shooting percentage just takes into consideration free throws. It doesn't, it doesn't distinguish between twos and threes, but it does take into consideration your free throw suit. Oh, okay. Well. That makes sense. Yeah. No wonder Ryan Nemhard's all the way down at 13. Maybe he made some free throws. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we'd all like to see him be um, player of the year. I'm just kind of worried he gets the Anton treatment. That low, low chance they just snub him. I, I think I think the good news for for EK is that this isn't it for him, right? Like this is this isn't even his ceiling, I don't think, in the WCC. This is just his first year. He's a lock for newcomer. He has to be. Um, so even if he does get snubbed, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I also, I'll throw this out there. I, I don't know how you can be the most valuable player in the league and not be like a top two, like not have your team be in the top two. Um, so I feel like I feel like the most valuable player just has to come from Gonzaga or St. Yeah. Mary's this year. It's like why Luka Doncic is not like uh is not higher up in the MVP category. His team is in eighth place in the West. You know, despite him being one of the top three best players in the league. Totally agree. That's why it won't be Mobo because his team is third. Um, one thing to be thinking about though is Mobo is also a newcomer to the WCC. So oh. I don't know if EK is a lock for that. Is well, maybe they'll give one MVP, no, one newcomer. The communist. Well, looks like whoever wins on Thursday night will get WCC player of the year. I mean, if we beat San Francisco and St. Mary's, I don't see how EK doesn't get it unless he just does not play well in those games. I mean, if Watson carries us, Watson also put up a career high in a conference game this year. Like, I wonder what Watson's averaging in conference play. We don't need to go into all these stats again, but. Oh, I we can do. die. I got die. you, Dan. I got you. You want to know okay. what Watson's averaging in conference play? Yes. What are his points per game in conference play? I want to say, I, I guess they're like 18. You know, he's fourth in offensive rebounding percentage. 14.8. In conference play? Yes. Even including the 32 or whatever you put up? 14.8. That's what I have here, oh. average. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I mean, I think to everyone's point, if we go in and we win this week, we will have the player of the year, whether it's Graham or whether it's Anton, it will be Zag. And no co-player of the year bullshit like we did last year with Drew Timmy and Brandon Pajimski. <laughs> oh, my God. Although Pazimski is playing really fucking well. Pazimski's kind of nice. In the He's NBA. pretty good. <laughs> Probably the third best rookie. Also, Hawkes balling. Oh, what God, is that about? How is Jaime Hawkes dropping like 28 in the NBA? He had like 30 last night. Because that guy specializes in making shitty looking shots. But they he, they look so cool when he makes them. Like, I think you just look at him and you think there's no fucking way this guy can play basketball. And then he's just like. He's pretty good, but no one covers him because they just don't think he'll be well, that good. He has the beard of a count, like an old timey count. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he looks or like, like he an artist, an artist from like the Renaissance. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> should have that little frilly big collar. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's right. just grow out your hair and do a little 
facial hair action i had i had the uh the count for a little bit back in the day if you guys remember Did the conquistador yeah. zane look that does look like <laughs> uh, conquistador, yeah. you used to have a lot more flavor to them uh <laughs> <laughs> what a what a rabbit hole <laughs> all right <laughs> so um as we're talking about the zags here um two players who've been kind of been a little bit hard on been a little bit soft on at times who do you think has the most improved play from the start of the series to now between Hickman and Stromer? That's tricky because Hickman was not starting out as low as Stromer for this most improved, you know? Hickman was like on like the the mother-in-law unit and now he's in the, <laughs> the master bedroom. Stromer was in the basement and like he's now in, in the kitchen. So I'll go, I'll go Hickman just because I think he's more key to our success, but it's a close one. With the question that you posed, just who's improved more, I do think it probably is Nolan, just because like we were talking about this year, just Nolan needed to really kind of take that step if we're going to be a good team. And it was a little bit of a slow start. There were some, there were some bad, bad games in losses specifically to, you know, UConn and um, Santa Clara, are ones that jump out uh san diego state woof um since that i think the nolan that we have right now is a nolan hickman that we can win games in the ncaa tournament with and we have not seen that uh before so i think it is nolan although dusty dusty is improving big time and i love the uh just mentality from him and i think mark few even said after the game like that is the dusty stromer that we recruited that's who we need so hopefully that's just huge for him going forward yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'll add too much here. The way you phrased it, Zambi, uh, Hickman, I think. Uh, dude, this guy has just been a fucking scoring machine since January 18th. Um, basically averaging over 13.5 points per game if you take away the St. Mary's game. Um, but that's the theme with Nolan Hickman and this team, right? When Hickman shows up and does what we expect him to we always win when he doesn't we pretty much always lose <laughs> um and so it, 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 that stat like that that is just that is just a fact if you go through these whenever he whenever he plays well with the exception of washington i'd say because he had a really good first half and a really really bad second half um but that is sort of like a pretty big correlating correlation with this team is, is when he's on, we win. Um, and it just makes everything else a lot easier for this team. Um, but with regard to Stromer, I mean, that's just, that's just a piece we haven't had all season basically. Right. With the exception of the USC game and, and a couple of games recently. Um, if you can add like eight points from Dusty Strober, just just eight, or or even just come in and 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 get fouled a couple times, go to the free throw line, maybe give us five, five or six, um, and, and two threes, two threes. This team, this team ceiling is so much fucking higher, um, and so, you know, I I, th I think that's the distinction between the two players. One guy is the key to success; the other guy just elevates his team to a whole another level. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I did phrase that kind of uniquely. Um, <laughs> but I think at the start of the season, expectations for both of these players 
one, obviously we were very high on Hickman and we're also pretty high on Stromer. Like ooh, we got a hot new freshman coming in. Like it's going to be draining threes. I think the body of work from the start of the season to now definitely favors Hickman. Stromer's getting there, but he just doesn't have enough gusto to do that. Um, but to Zane, your point about what can Dusty give us? I think even if he gives us four points, two personal fouls, and just plays pesky-ass defense, I think that I'd consider that a success. Success. I think with Dusty, if he can just make the open corner three once or twice a game, make the defense have to get out on him, that's just going to open up other things. And then I think, too, just his confidence in his overall game after he sees the ball go through the hole, that just changes things for him, too. So what he does defensively off of that, uh, again, crashing the offensive glass, he was just he was just feisty in there. He was, he was crashing hard, getting the rebound, going up strong, getting putbacks, like – those are the things that that he needs to do regardless of if he's making his outside shot or not. Um, so I think it was just huge, huge for his development to see that and excited to see if that can carry over into a monumental, massive week of basketball. And that, my friends, is a segue we're talking about this week. We've got two big-time contests. We've got San Francisco Thursday at the Chase Center. And we've got the Gales Saturday night in Moraga. Fellas, let's start with the San Francisco game. Um, I think it's uh, worth noting this being a neutral game. Um, San Francisco are not a neutral. It's technically a road game because San Francisco is hosting it. San Francisco, as of now, is 57 in the net. We know what that means. That is a quad one opportunity that we desperately need to double our Q1 win total from one to two. Um, fellas, what are we thinking? Um, just initial things that we want to see in Thursday night's contest against the Dons at eight o'clock. <laughs> well, initially, I'd like to see a win. Um, that's that's pretty critical <laughs> this week. Um, I think, yeah, I think we're going to this is a great primer for March, right? Um, well, one of them will actually be in March. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, you know, when the team team needs to step up because, you know, with the uncertainty, uh, of, of, you know, the tournament for this team, uh, and, and a lot of the dependency on the, on the conference tournament to get in, these are as close to must wins as we can get. Um, and, and, and they're two tough opponents that we have to play on the road in environments that, you know. I don't know that the chase center will be a, a very hostile environment. I think it'll actually feel pretty dead in there. And in fact, I think we might actually have a ton of Gonzaga fans fill that place up. So as far as a road environment is concerned, I, I think that one is kind of in our favor, but San Francisco is a pesky little fucking team. Um, I know, I know we played them pretty well our first time, but they, probably should have beat St. Mary's last week, right? Was that last week? There were a couple of odd calls late in that game that certainly felt like they went St. Mary's way. And and I think San Francisco could have got out of there with a win. Um, But I think, yeah, I I mean, San Francisco is really a two-headed monster in this Mogbo and Marcus Williams characters. Um and so it'll it'll be up to, you know, Watson is probably a sign with Mogbo, right? 
the, the forward mm-hmm. on forward situation there. Um, and then is, is, is it Marcus Williams versus Nemhard? Is that, is that the matchup that we got last, last time? Uh, well, there's Nemhard or Hickman. Um, I don't remember exactly. I remember Marcus Williams wasn't very good against us until the end of the game when he started bombing threes and then he was hitting and he was making tough ass shots against St. Mary's. So if that Marcus Williams shows up to play us and they're making tough, you know, deep threes, good drives, things like that, like it's going to be, it's going to be a tight game. We did a really good job on him the first time. And I think he's been really streaky all year long. So um, regardless of who's on him, absolutely a huge, huge, uh, you know, impact player for them. No doubt about it. Yeah, I agree on the, the chase center. <clears throat> I think it actually gives the Zags the advantage because when you're in that tiny arena up on the hill, it gets loud in there. <clears throat> and you know that season ticket holders, they're going to that game. And so um, I think the Zags will play pretty well. Um, one interesting note, I was looking at their roster for San Francisco, and they really dug deep into the international pool. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seven of their uh, players on the roster are international. So kind of a trend for the uh, WCC, I think. And uh, I don't really have too much. I don't have much of my voice left either. I do think, uh, yeah, with this game, I, I think playing the Chase Center is absolutely advantage Gonzaga. Um, I think I think San Francisco, they probably thought, oh, this will be good. Like, we'll we'll get the Zags in the Chase Center. We'll get to make some money from it you know bigger bigger game bigger arena uh they are probably kicking themselves right now because playing at home against gonzaga with all that's on the line on thursday i mean the winner of that game pretty much locks in second place i think in the wcc for the most part um which is obviously huge for a lot of reasons it avoids that uh dreaded having to play on like friday or saturday in vegas you get the bye till the semis on monday uh, and then you win two games, you're in the NCAA tournament. So um, having it in the Chase Center, I think Zag fans will travel well. It should be a fun game to watch. Eight o'clock is going to be a late tip, but, uh, but we'll be up. We'll be watching. Um, I think the only other thing to uh, you know touch on in this game, too, is just the fact that uh, San Francisco, they had this freshman, I think Beasley, that came on against St. Mary's. He looked like a stud. Um, and we know San Francisco's got great history with their guard play with uh, – you know, Bouye and uh, Khalil Shabazz and things like that. So they can get guys that are hot. Um, we've got to really, really just take care of business first and foremost. San Francisco is way too good to look past. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'll be what I'll be watching for. Um, anything else before predictions? Yeah, I, one one thing, sort of a trend for me, I guess. This episode, uh, last time we played San Francisco, we beat them by five points, seventy-seven, seventy-two, in the kettle. That's another game we got out-rebounded, um, and we got out-rebounded by kind of a lot, almost double digits, only nine rebounds, 41 to 32, uh, um, and we still won that game. So you think we can we can win that battle or equalize it, you know, that that is probably a double-digit lead. So that's, that's one thing I'll be looking at. Um, but otherwise, we shot really shitty from the free-throw line in that game. We had 30 four free throw attempts we only made 22 of them in that game so that's that's something to keep an eye on uh that was a tough free throw shooting night for anton watson three of nine and ryan Nemhard four of eight 
So that's another area where this game that we won by five points, we had some pretty troubling stats that if they go just a little bit differently, it's it's a pretty comfortable win. Um, you would think that this team, you know, has learned from that and has grown from that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was this game before Kentucky? Was this in this? Yeah, this is a January game. Yeah, this is before Kentucky. This is the game. Yeah. If you remember, we were up like twelve with a minute and a half, and then we imploded, and San Francisco yes. made every three, and we missed all the free throws, and then it got really cl- it got close. Um, so we kind of had that ability to pull away, and then then we kind of let it slip a little bit. Uh, but I mean, the free throw numbers, dude. If we get that many attempts and we shoot it the way we have been shooting, there's not a world where we can lose this game. Also, this is a game that we didn't score eighty points in, which is rare for this team. That's a fun fact. I so, think. Oh, go ahead. I think as, as long as we don't make like any stupid turnovers, I think we win. They also average more steals than us, so I could see a stupid. Uh, I'm not going to call it anyone, but a stupid <laughs> steal and then a foul, and then we're like, "What the fuck?" One one kind of interesting uh, sort of component of this game is it is almost certain that this will be uh, replayed in the WCC tournament, right? Because one of these teams will be two, the other will be three, and so they will be playing each other, likely in the semifinal, right? Unless Santa Clara has anything to say about that, which I could see a world where Santa Clara could knock off San Francisco when they are the three and we are the two. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think we'd be rooting for Santa Clara in that game. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I I think both teams are they're tough. Like, yeah, the San Francisco is better, uh, you know, in the net and other metrics. Um, but Santa Clara's a tough team, tough to match up with too. But, um, with that being said, predictions Thursday night. Give me a score and uh, who is our leading scorer? Example. Let's start with you. I'm going to say, um, I'll say 87 to 79. Leading score being, I'll say Nemhard. Oh, saucy, Zambi. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really like the 87 79 score. Like that, that is a, that is a real nice prediction, I think. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 84. 4 71 a 13 point win for the zags we we eclipse the magical 80 points um and our defense steps up here it's hard pressed for me to go with anyone other than graham ek as the mvp for this game maybe the heart wants just what the heart wants but going up against i guess the league front runner for mvp uh, maybe I don't think Grammy K gives two fucks about that in this game. I think they just want to win. But as a fan, I want that to be a personal matchup for him. Um, and so that's what I'm going with. I like it. I like it. I will be going uh, 83 74. I think it's a nine point Zags dub. Um, just to be different and to not have the similar uh, leading score. Let's go Nolan Hickman. Keep that hot hand rolling, draining in threes. I think he's hit like five threes in two straight games, I want to say. Um, if he can continue that in a in an NBA gym where we, again, get to kind of control that crowd a little bit more, uh, I love our chances to be able to win semi-comfortably 
take care of business, and then move on to the showdown in Moraga. And Zane, you mentioned this. This is a great primer for March. I think this is exactly – this is a, a phenomenal setup for what it's like to play in the NCAA tournament. You get a good team in the first round, you get a day off, and then you get a much better team You know, the, the next day after that. And, and that's what we're going into in Moraga with some revenge on the mind to erase – that shit show that was St. Mary's coming into the kennel and stealing a win from us. Um, St. Mary's is a little different. They are without Joshua Jefferson, who we have mentioned on this program. We mentioned a knee injury. He is done for the year. He will have knee surgery. Um, that hurts them a ton. I think he put up 17 against, against us when they came to the kennel, really kind of tempted out Anton. Um, and uh, I think that is a huge blow that now – we should be the better team and the more depth, the team with more depth, oddly enough, when we go into Moraga and play the Gales. So um, with that little, little intro, what are we looking for on Saturday night? Yeah, Dan, I think, I mean, this is, this is the end all be all for the Zags, right? Well, I think we're used to um, sort of BYU playing us in these moments, at least since, the group that's recording this is well, except Zambi, but the rest of us, that's probably what we save for BYU. Uh, now that they're gone, this is it's St. Mary's turn to fill that void for us. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think we were the better team in that first matchup, um, despite the outcome. Uh, I, I, I think, it, the 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 biggest fucking issue with St. Mary's every time is that they are so damn good at just creating a really ugly basketball game. And if they can succeed at that, if they can hold us under 65 points again, I think they win. I, be, and that's what they want to do. And that's their plan. If we can get to 70 in this game, we don't even need our, our average 84.5, whatever the hell it is these days if we can get to 70 i think we win this game and our think i think our offense is just is clicking on all cylinders right now uh i don't you kind of alluded to this dan but the loss of joshua jefferson sure he he accounted for a lot of points double over double digits for their offense which they don't have much of by the way keep in mind they only average like 60 points a game uh he was a big part of their defense as well um and so they they have some question marks on their side. I do think goddamn Cooper lookalike Alex Dukas has sort of stepped up as of late for them. Um, and he didn't do anything against us in the first game. So if he is able to fill that spot and, and you know, he's been around a while, we know that he can impact games. Um, you know, he, he has the ability to fill that void. But it, it drops off quite a bit for St. Mary's after their starting five uh and that's what the zags can take advantage of so yeah i'm just i'm looking for us to sort of and, and this is this is the same thing every time we play this goddamn team to just get out and get running on them and that starts with defense starts with forcing missed shots getting rebounds and getting out in transition no one does that better than ryan nemhard so let's that that's the key to this game in my opinion that's the key to every Gonzaga St. Mary's matchup. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think controlling the pace, getting out early. And I think one thing too would be starting to get their big men in trouble. We know that their guards can shoot, but they also kind of 
pun intended, use them as a backboard. It's like, oh, show you shot from three. Saxon or whoever the guy is, um, it'll be there to catch it. So I think it'll be a hard fought bout, hard fought battle. But um, yeah, I think we're able to pull away in that shitty high school gym. Yeah, I think I think for me the thing that uh, was just a backbreaker last time when we played them was leaving Ada Mahaney open for a couple threes. Uh, they hit four. They hit four threes in the game. I think. Oh no, sorry, they hit seven. Uh, we hit three. Mahaney had four of them. Mahaney right there alone is 12 points better. Uh, they're they're plus 12 from three solely because of Aiden Mahaney. If we can make other people beat us, um, I'm com- I'm cool with making Mahaney give it up and say, Alex Dukas, Cooper Hoon, can you make this shot over <laughs> and over again? Probably not. Um, and, you know, that, that they don't have Jefferson, like just get after Mahaney's ass turn that little bitch boy into who he is like, like we did last year in, in the kennel and in Vegas. Uh, if we get after Mahaney, that's going to create the turnovers that we're talking about, allow us to run. And then there's two things offensively. Um, the bench, we need the bench to show up. We had two bench points last time we played them. And then the other thing is Nolan Hickman over five from three when we played St. Mary's, if we get production in those two areas, I confidently believe we are the better team that we will win this game. We will get revenge. Um, and there's going to be a whole lot of confidence leaving that gym in Moraga with the Mark few handstand in the locker room to get us over to Vegas. So um, yeah. Any other comments before predictions? Yeah. All I was going to say, Dan is, is the Nolan Hickman theme. I mean, I just mentioned it when Nolan Hickman has an off night, Gonzaga loses. Exhibit A, the last time we played St. Mary's, 0 for 5 from three point. He only had seven points. I like the last time, I think this is the last time he didn't have double digit scoring. Um, yeah, that, that can't happen. We just can't afford that. He makes one three and we win this game. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really as simple as that for the Zags. Um, I, another, you know, Nemhard did not have his prototypical game the last time we played St. Mary's. And that's pretty critical in a situation where you play a team that is really good defensively. St. Mary's is always pesky on defense. Ryan Nemhart has to have more than one assist this game. <laughs> that is the, we just can't have that from our point guard. Um, you know, granted he did have 18 points, but we also don't want to rely on him to score. Um, this, you just go across the board and look at Gonzaga's stats from last game and nothing looks right. Like Graham E.K. only had 12 points. That hasn't happened in a while. Um, I'm trying to see what I, our starters played so many minutes in this game. So I, I do think the bench will contribute. They need to. We need them to. Um, and, and, and we definitely need more assists than turnovers. Five assists to seven turnovers is not great. So there are a lot of little things this team can do. Hickman, just playing like just playing like yourself. Like not even playing above average, just playing like you have been lately, and and you can beat this team on the road. They are not. I, I do not believe St. Mary's is a better basketball team than us, even with Joshua Jefferson. But we got to prove it. You win this game, you're probably in the tournament. You're you're probably in the tournament if you beat uh, San Francisco and St. Mary's. Tournament probably looks a lot harder in that position if you don't win the WCC, but you're probably in. 
I think something to think about too um, is that just by if we were to somehow lose to San Francisco, the pressure that that would put on us to win this St. Mary's game is massive. So beating San Francisco, getting to this game, I mean, truly, if we if if we lose again, you know, at St. Mary's in a close game, I don't think it hurts us that bad. I still think that having another quad one win and then a close quad one loss isn't like, are we comfortably in? Probably not. Do I think we end up in? Yes. But uh, let's just control what we can. And just oh, it's scary, Dan. <laughs> I do not want a Sunday where I'm sitting on the edge of my fucking seat. That that makes the WCC tournament a must win. You have to win the WCC tournament in that, in that scenario. I don't know because like we're you have in, to feel like you do while it's being played. But if we're if we're in right now with our resume as is, yes, we're the last four in. But if you get one more quad one win, like what does that do to that resume? You know what I mean? How much how big is that one quad one win for us? I don't know. I mean, it helps, but it also doesn't take away from the fact we've lost all the other <laughs> quad ones. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, predictions. I'll go first this time. Um, well, hold on, Dan. Hold on, Dan. Do you want to guess what ESPN analytics have have set their percentage for Gonzaga's win percentage against St. Mary's, their matchup predictor? Um, 58%. You think Zags are favored? Zags, 58%. All right. Zambi, what do you got? I'm going to say Zags, 55. Gonzaga, 28%. To win at St. Mary's on Saturday? Yes. St. Mary's is 71.3% chance of success in this game. Well, they just can't lose then. So, I mean, good for them. (laughs) What the hell is that? ESPN's matchup predictor is so fucky sometimes. What the hell is that? 28% is low. (laughs) Dude, we went into Kentucky and beat Kentucky. Like, I'm sorry, like whatever we encounter in Moraga, I, I think we've already had our biggest like stage, you know, and we performed. So let's go do it again. With that being I think, said. I think another aspect here to think about is we're going to be the hungrier dog in this game than St. Mary's. Oh, yeah. St. Mary's will likely have already locked up the conference title by this point. Um, and they will likely, in doing so, have locked up the one seed in the WCC tournament. This game probably doesn't matter for them. Um, I, I think even if they lose this game, they're comfortably in the NCAA tournament at this point. Um, so I edge edge definitely to the Zags. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Since it doesn't matter, maybe they'll just rest their starters. We'll see. Maybe oh, can... my God. No way. <laughs> That'd be I'm so just shit. kidding. Jesus. No, I, I, I think that's a great point. I think anytime um, – I feel like anytime – whatever way that that St. Mary's Gonzaga game goes, like I feel like most years we've been splitting with them. Haven't we? Like if they, if they come in and beat us early in the year, we'll, we'll come back and, and get them later. I feel like those things have usually rotated. Um, so I, 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 I think that this team, this is a game that this team still is absolutely pissed that they lost, that they lost on their home floor and they're going to come out on Saturday night and win. they're not going to get to that 80 point number that that we love. But give me 7369. Oh, Bulldogs. No fucking way St. Mary scores 69 <laughs> points against us. 
pulling out a close one. Well, if we speed it up, maybe that they might get a couple more possessions too. Um, 73-69. And uh, in this game, I think that they have zero answer for Anton Watson. I think Anton Watson puts up 20-plus, puts his eggs on his back, and we go into Vegas on a hot on a hot hand, ready to go, make some noise. All right, I'll go. Uh, give me – I'm with you, Dan. I don't think the Zags are going to – wow, I almost had a little Spokane, like kind of Zags. Sometimes you hear them do that. I don't think the Zags, the Zags, I don't think the Zags are going to um, get any points in this game. That would be too easy of a win, I think. Uh, I think they're going to have sixty-eight points, uh, just because St. Mary's does what they do. So give me sixty-eight, sixty-four. Just St. Mary's game sixty-four again. It's going to be a stressful one. I really hope that I'll be able to actually watch this game. and not be in a delivery room at the time. But if I am, it will be a very beautiful thing for my family. Uh, <laughs> and it might be lucky. Who knows? Um, but give me player of the game. This is easy. It's always personal for me. Uh, shout out Dion. Uh, Nolan Hickman is going to be the player of the game. He's going to take this game personal. 0 for 5 doesn't fucking happen anymore for him. He's going to knock down four threes in this game uh, and lead the Zags to a victory a very stressful victory yeah i was gonna say zane uh can courtney host <laughs> yeah where's she the host <laughs> that's actually real quick on this game before <laughs> i forget um my my wife will not be watching with me she is attending an event with her mother so uh i will be in a interesting place watching this by myself i think on what, what event uh, some sort of movie concert deal. Mm. I think a lot of it's in French. Um, what? It's 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 an event. It's an event. Does Katie not <laughs> like the Zags? You didn't know that the game was on, and she made a commitment to her mother, and she's gonna follow through with that. And I was invited to go to uh, Pullman for UCLA Washington State on Saturday, um, but um, my father-in-law, as as we know, the 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 loyal listener of this program, knew that there's no way in hell that I would be doing anything else other than watching that game Saturday. Is he going to UCLA versus the Cougs? He is. He is. Why? Is he Because Katie's brother went to Wazoo. So they're Ah, that game lost a little bit of luster with how bad UCLA is this year. Well, anyway, Zambi, take us home. All righty. I'm going to go 65-57. Player of the game, I'm going to go with, I think Ben Gregg's playing really hard right now. And I can see him getting hot and just doing those hustle plays and pulling it out for us. I love it. I think I think Benny, Benny Bucket's taking us to victory would be huge. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, as we know, this is just a monumental week. I already said that once, but I can't reiterate it enough. I do think... By the next time that we come on this podcast, we're going to have a much better idea of if we are in the dance or not. Um, I think even if, okay, what if we lose to San Francisco, beat St. Mary's? Are we in? Or is it still, do we have to win both to confidently be in? <laughs> to confidently be in, you have to win both. Yeah. I think Although, if you... 
Good. if you beat USF and lose to St. Mary's and then lose to St. Mary's in the title game, I think we're probably an 11 seed. But oh, God. losing, getting St. Mary's three times in a season. If we do that, I don't think we deserve to be in the freaking tournament. Because then you're losing three times to a like mid-level tournament team. Yikes. Um, so yeah, we're gonna find out uh, all this all this bracketology stuff that we're seeing thrown around where St. Mary's is the six or the seven and we're the eleven, all that stuff can flip uh by the next time. Better better question for the squad here. Let's think a little more uh positively. We win these two games and we win the WCC tournament. Is there a chance the Zags can sneak into a potentially hosting in Spokane? I think there is a chance. Well, I mean, what is what is this? Our ceiling is five, right? As a, as a, do we think we could get into a four? I mean, if we're a four, that that's where they protect is the is the top four. Um, however, there's always a random ass team that somehow gets to play a close game because of just the way that the bracket is arranged and the way that they have to limit, they have to avoid conference matchups in the first round and shit like that. So. Maybe they might be like, oh, all right, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's going to be the uh, 10th seed. And oh, shit, that just happens to be in Spokane. Sorry, 7th <laughs> seed. You're fucked. You um, know you know who who we actually need to be rooting against quite a bit right now? Wake Forest? The fucking Cougs. Because mm-hmm. I have seen them in the Spokane region. Well, so are, are they actually – I was trying to figure this out. Who is technically hosting – the Spokane game. It's it's Wazoo. It's Wazoo. So I don't think Wazoo can play when they are the technical host. I remember that being a criteria. Oh, yeah. Well, in Joe Lenardi's, he has them. In, do you think that's just not accurate? Like the, he doesn't take into account that information? Maybe. I mean, I think with Lenardi, like the way that the whole locations are picked, that stuff flips all the time. So... I think what he more so has probably is them on the seed line that he that he thinks that they should be in. But based on that criteria, again, if that's a real thing, maybe this is fake news, maybe I'm making this up, that would then make them have to either be in a different region or maybe even a different seed line. You want to try and Google this and figure this out while we're on? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, great. Zambi's taking a taking a break. So while uh while Zane's doing this and my oven is beeping, <laughs> this, is, this is a good time to not be able to go on mute. Um, let's see. Bracketology right now. I did see one that has us as a 10 playing the seven seed and the seven seed being the BYU Cougars. That would be pure electricity, although BYU might be a higher seed because they did just beat Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. So that's crazy. Uh, the other ones are the play-ins with Providence, uh, Seton Hall or Seton Hall in that mix, Wake Forest in that mix. Um, and this is really good podcasting right now. And I hope everyone can hear the beeping. We're I just, del- I just can't find it in time. I'm trying as hard as I can, but I just, I just can't find it. Well, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm fairly confident that's a thing. It, what I'm looking at right here is the only way a national seed cannot host a regional is if there are scheduling conflicts with other tenants that that's not that's for like women's right yeah that's definitely for women's because yeah 
yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing anything like that, Dan. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll figure this out. Maybe yes, we will. Yeah. Maybe we can wait Tweet at us if you if you find it. <laughs> we can wait until Selection Sunday. We can call Stephen Carr. Stephen Carr might know this stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all things Zag related. Huge week ahead. Can't wait. Uh, and then before we we get off the college basketball topic, we do have to talk about the court storm heard around the world, uh, led by Hunter Salas. Uh, shout out. 29 points, knocking off Duke, Wake Forest, storms the court prematurely, might I add. Definite false start. Uh, chaos ensues. Kyle Filipowski gets drilled, or maybe drills a student. You be the judge. Uh, and court storming has been the number one story in sports this week. So, quick comments, boys. What do we think on court storms? Ban them? What do we do? Well, can I, can I, ask, can I ask one thing? What was the actual diagnosis for for Mr. Filipowski? Nobody knows, but I would say need a knee contact and he has an alley. Yeah. Uh, if you would have watched that, uh, look, unfortunate situation, I, I would say above all else. But if you were to watch that guy getting carried off the court and the way the team was reacting, I get, you know, backing your buddy, you would have thought the guy just got amputated by by a wake forest player the way that was going on i mean the duke players yelling profanities at at the the students storming the court i think his girlfriend was yelling at fans <laughs> as they were leaving girlfriend in the locker room weird thing that that duke allows i guess but I, man d- just the embellishment that has gone on with some of these players in the court stormings i'm i'm gonna say caitlin clark embellished hers a little bit too um but I just, God, it's maybe, maybe it's just the, uh, you know, maybe I just don't have a, you know, the mushy feelings for these guys, but, but I do think generally speaking, court storming might be, might be a little bit of an issue. I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, it's pretty much only unique to college basketball. I mean, you see it in, you saw it a little bit in college football this past year with, with, players uh assaulting fans at times <laughs> while they were while they were storing the field but it's really a college basketball thing um and i i don't i don't necessarily know why that is i don't know if it's proximity uh to the to the field of play i don't know um if it's uh, yeah i don't i don't really know what it is but you don't see it anywhere else i don't know how you could ban it though i don't know what you can do students don't give two fucks about the school getting fined if anything that would incentivize me as a student to storm the court and, and actually know that my heart my hard earned tuition is going towards something um i don't know the solution but i think something probably needs to be done Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I think I think if uh, the answer was easy, it would be figured out already. Um, you know, I you guys know my take on this, but you only storm the court if you don't expect to win. Uh, that is something I was told early on uh, in the Kennel Club days at Gonzaga. That's just not a thing that Gonzaga would ever be a part of. Um, although I know that you guys felt differently if we won on a buzzer beater that you were going to storm the court and say that I told you to do so. However, uh, I do think... <laughs> I think the thing with this court storming is um, just like, why is it like a right for just students to just be like, Oh, we want a close game. We just get to run on the court and fuck everyone else here. No one, nothing else matters. Like 
there's just no uh, regard for the players, the refs, anything like that. They're, and also, again, Wake Forest, those students were on the court with like 0.5 seconds left. They were just ready to roll. I don't know what that was about. I don't think I've ever seen it that fast. I think what I've heard as like a good solution is like, let the players and refs get off the court, hold it for like 30 seconds maybe, and then storm it. And where it's just like, it's all a celebration. There's nothing really bad that can happen at that point, but it's still the same goal and the same excitement. It's the same photo op. It's the same video, all that kind of stuff that makes those course storms kind of epic. Um, I think I'd rather see that as opposed to being, you know, them being banned. I don't know how you ban them. I think Jay Bill said arrest everybody that gets on the court. That's an interesting yeah. That is a very interesting take. I don't think that the, uh, you know, like jail system would be good with that one. That's uh, a good, that's a good way to spend your hard earned tax dollars. There's arresting I, students for storming a basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, but, but it definitely just like finding ways to make it where a player like got like, what if Kyle Filipowski tore his ACL because some drunk Wake Forest kid ran into him and hit him at a bad angle. Or honestly, it could have been worse when, those Wake Forest kids were just flopping all over the place. They looked like the most athletic, the most unathletic court star I've ever seen. You got full people full on supermaning across the court. Everyone's slipping. Like if somebody slips and then that goes into like a knee, that could have been really bad. Um, but instead it was just a little knee to knee bump. But I think the kid that hit Kyle Filipowski might've got the worst of it because that guy flew a good 10 yards. Um, so yeah, I just think, you know, it should be something fun and something like school pride, celebrate the team, but it can't be anything that can put the athletes, the coaches, the refs at danger. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no way you can prevent uh, court storming. Uh, Stephen A. Smith on, I think it was either first take or maybe ESPN, but he was saying the proximity for students an NCAA game and the proximity for fans at an NBA game are pretty much the same. The reason it doesn't happen in the NBA is because they have security. I know Zane mentioned taxpayer money, but if you want to ban it, but you still want to have it, you have the money. They just don't want to spend it. And so my issue here is I think that's part of the game and everyone should be cognizant. There's always the what ifs. What if someone drives into my house right now and knocks me out? It's a what if, you know? <laughs> and also to Zane's point, it's not just a basketball thing. Earlier in the season, none other than Duke rushed the field. So I find that kind of ironic. And I have also rushed the field, and you guys both know what game that is. Was that Wazoo USC when you beat Sam Darnold? 2018, baby. Trevor <laughs> Coat and uh oh, what's his name? Oh, that's bad. Gash, <laughs> gash. Hopefully <laughs> not a listener. Hopefully not a listener. Uh, not a listener. Not. A, I was gonna say. Uh, I think a dis- a pretty big distinction in NBA and uh, college basketball games is who's storming the court or potentially doing it. I don't <laughs> think you're gonna get too many 40 year old like grown ups doing it. But when you have a bunch of sauced up. 18 to 21 year olds that's a more likely crowd to do it i do think it's interesting you never see the court stormed in an ncaa tournament game though ever ever no one's ever storming the court in ncaa tournament games so what is done differently there um 
So a just, totally different. I I mean I. It's not that different. Like it's it's just it's just the precautions that are taken, and the way that the facilities are sometimes set up. Like schools could do that theoretically. Ultimately, I think you know, I think a lot of this is just is easily avoidable by all parties involved. I think okay, the two biggest situations we've seen this come up this year. Caitlin Clark and Kyle Filipowski, right? In both of those situations, the players were kind of like sauntering off the court with their heads down, like like almost not initiating it. I'm not going to go as far to say that, but certainly not trying to like avoid it by any means. So I, I like as a player in that situation, how do you not like know that that's, I mean, they did because every other Duke player ran off the court. He was literally the only one standing in the middle almost like intentionally walking off slow. I, I don't know. I just think like a lot of this could be avoided by, by everyone sort of taking accountability. I It's never going to stop. It's part of the game. So to the, like schools want it because it gives them publicity. No one's talking about Wake Forest before storming the court. If they win and this injury doesn't happen, no one, like, it's, it's a good win, but it's forgotten about, but Wake Forest is being talked about more than any other school in the country right now because of this situation. So it's, it's publicity for these schools. I mean, they do get fined also. <laughs> Wake Forest does not give a fuck about the fine. Wake Forest does not get fined because the ACC doesn't find court storming. Other conferences yeah. do. And other conferences have like different, different penalties. But to your point, Zan, about Kyle Flipowski just like not really walking off. Dude, he does not have much time. I'm watching this. Right now, it just went to zero in like 0.2 seconds. The guy's running into him. Like there was there okay, was no- but don't look at the clock. The ball was already turned over and it was being chucked up on the like the game was over before the clock ran out in this game. Yeah, but still, dude, there that that was just way too fast. There's like you're right. There are other players that got out of the way because they were more so like on the perimeter. I do think Jared McCain like runs away like a little bitch boy and Kyle. Oh, Pinkowski- I- I hate that. That singing fucking video drives me crazy. <laughs> and it's it's posted every time Duke loses. I fucking hate that video. Oh, man. But yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. And I mean, Hunter Salas taking Wake Forest to the tournament. Shout out to shout out to Hunter. Um, did you guys... He was still in a Gonzaga uniform. Do you guys see uh, some Twitter activity? No. Oh, gosh. Do, do elaborate. Uh, a certain family member tweeted out some stuff about appreciating a player and how, thank God, they found their real home. Something along those lines. That's a shame. Um, so what ha- does something happen there under under underneath all this? I I really don't believe it was just you're not getting your minutes, you're not getting playing time. I think I think there, there was something more here. I think just philosophically um, with our team, the way that it was structured last year, when you have Drew Timmy, you have Julian Strother, there are options that the offense was going to go through. It was never going to go through Hunter. Um, And in his limited time where like, you know, he does have an opportunity to make a shot. Like he didn't, he shot 25% from three. Um, He gambled a little bit too much on defense. I think that few just didn't, he he just had better options. I think last year, if you look at, just the other players and whether they're better in terms of like the caliber of Hunter Salas. No, they're probably not. Hunter Salas is probably better, you know, player, but he had, he had experienced seniors. He had Razier Bolton. 
He had Malachi Smith. He had Nolan Hickman who had played more in the system. Like there were just more guys and Hunter and Hunter left. And now he gets to be the guy and he's done a great job with that role. So um, it's a shame that it happened. And I think that Hunter's role on this team would have been similar to kind of what he has now. It would, it, it would be different still. Um, so I, I think that's just kind of the philosophical difference is what, what led to it. I don't yeah. want to play Wake Forest in the tournament. No. Sign me up to not play in that game. No, thank you. Watch Efton Reed like go off against us. Oh god. <laughs> 20 and 20. The edge would definitely be on Wake Forest's side in that game. Oh, so the edge, the the world, everybody would be rooting against. Oh, it would be bad. It would, it would be horrible. Um, so yeah, can't can't have that happen. But cool to see Hunter doing well. I think that's I think we all can say it's cool for a guy that we were bought in on. And yeah. wish he could our team. No? I don't think it's cool. No. Yeah. He left. No. He left us. I don't I like it. Good for I him. No, no, he left us. I'm he not like, actively rooting for him, but I'll I'll be like, all right, cool. He bailed on the program. He's dead to me. All right. Before we bail on the program, quick quick dozen. Quick dozen. Oh, Hunter Salas did not want to water the bamboo. Drought. You want to participate? Uh, participating. Did did BYU beat Kansas tonight, boys? They did. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. That they might be higher than a projected wow. seven seed at Kansas, dude. That BYU team is not a whole lot different than the BYU team we played last year. Why are they so good? Yeah. All right, beverages. Beverages. All right, Katie, you're a part of this. Beverages, orange lava burst and flashing fruit punch are popular flavors from what juice brand? Is it high C? Uh-oh. Ooh. Uh-oh. We need a tiebreaker. I've already played today, so I am I'm out. Um, Zane said Capri Sun. Zambi, you said. Oh, uh, actually, I think Zane's right. I think it is fruit punch. Er. Zambi, I was gonna say high C sounds like orange oh, lava burst. He said high C. Uh orange lava burst and flashing fruit punch. Flashing fruit isn't isn't flashing fruit punch the Capri Sun? I think it is. That's why what does Katie think? She has no idea. Yeah. Katie's thinking Capri Sun. Capri Sun it is. Lock it in. I am saying flashing fruit punch, not passion fruit punch. <laughs> Capri Sun? Oh God! Rough start, squad. Rough. Damn start. it! I will not confirm nor deny. Music. Dan, was it was it high C? We're not going to do a daily dip. It was high dip. C. It was high C. Oh. Damn All right, music combining for over one billion Spotify streams. This American <gasps> rock band dropped top. Ooh, Jesus! Two mm-hmm. top twenty hit songs in the early 2010s with "Everybody Talks" and "Animal." Oh. 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 Zero idea. We have an MGMT. Oh, is this the Maybe. everybody talks? Everybody talks. Started with a whisper. Oh, is uh, that it? That's is that MGMT? No, no. <laughs> oh my god. We need to come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Movies. John Krasinski directed and starred oh. in the 2018 post-apocalyptic science fiction horror film alongside his wife, Emily Blunt. Quiet Place. Yep. 
Boom, lock it in. Quiet place. Television. Originally gaining fame as a rapper, this actor has played Detective slash Sergeant Odafin Finn Tutuola in the Law & Order franchise since 2000. Is this Ice-T? Ice-T is what we're hearing from both Catherine and Zane, and that is correct. Let's go. Science. RN is the symbol on the periodic table for this element with the atomic number of 86. Is it radon? Ooh. Sam Blen from the top rope. Ding, 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 ding. He's correct. Oh, boy, Zambi. <laughs> How's that human fizz guy? Drafted by the New by the New Orleans the oh. same year Drew Brees joined the team. This Saints wide receiver had over 900 receiving yards in eight of his first nine seasons from 2006 to 2014. Is it Joe Horn? Doesn't sound like it based on Dan's reaction. It is not Joe Horn. I will. I can be a phone a friend on this one. I knew this before. No, anyone had to put it in. Was oh it? Oh my gosh, two thousand and six. Was it Mike Jurevicius? Joe Jurevicius from Tampa. Yeah, no. Joe. Ah. Jimmy Graham. He played, he played <laughs> at a no-name football school. Oh God, uh, Saints receivers. Give you a hint. He played at Hofstra. All right, I'm out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Phone a friend. Marcus Colston, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, that's tough. MLB. Shohei Otani. Victor <laughs> Martinez led the league in on-base percentage and finished second in MVP voting while playing for this American League Central team in 2014. Is that Guardians? Cleveland. Cleveland. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. Damn it. There's the Detroit Tigers. Ooh, I would not have gotten that. Yeah, I would have got that. Got that. College basketball. College basketball. This mid-major school with an All-American guard was ranked number three in the nation in 2011, but had trouble after their lead rebounder, Brandon Davies, was suspended for the rest of the season. What an obscure... Question. Jesus Christ. Did you get this, Dan? Yes. Uh, is it Memphis? No. It's, no, they're uh, mid-major. Mid-major. Can I give you can I can I tell you what he was okay? When I tell you what he was suspended for, I think you're gonna get this. Oh. No. He was suspended for violation of the school's code of conduct. Oh. Oh, the guy from BYU. I'm, I'm hearing a BYU from Katie. I'm seeing BYU from Zambi. And that is correct, my friends. It is Brigham yeah. Young. That would have just been before. Oh, so was it Jimmer? Was that Jimmer? Was the Jimmer. The... Yep. Yeah. Yep. That is the you have consent. Uh, smash the like button, like Brandon Davies at the Ion College <laughs> Basketball Podcast says. In. <laughs> All right, and the match. Oh. Uh, that is tough. We're this not very we're not a very good team here. This is Katie's strong suit. Hi, Katie. That is tough. Looks like a president. <laughs> Looks like a, yeah. Looks yeah and there's no chance you got this. Uh no chance. Nope. Did you get anyone in this? Does anyone have a have a have a human being? What's the who's the actor from the mummy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Brand, Braden, Brandon, Brandon Fraser. 
Yes. The head. It kind of looks like him. The head is him for sure. I don't know who the We locked that in. I said Kevin Costner, but mm -hmm. it's not Kevin Costner. Oh, it's the guy who kind of looks like him. Uh oh, is that right? What is he in? What is he in? He's in uh Oh my god, this is gonna drive me crazy. I don't know his fucking name. Even if I got the movie, I wouldn't know. I give up. Right, yeah. Uh Uma Therma or Uma Thurman. No. Danny Bellina? No. Who is this Dan, guy? Dan, just put anything. Yeah, it's getting late, Dan. Just put Josh Boone. Josh Brolin? What? what? <laughs> Josh right. Brolin. Just give up. Just push I give up. Music? Okay. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Is it like the monkeys or the, the... It is not the monkeys. The monkeys the, are an the, old band. Oh, the, the Arctic, Arctic monkeys? The Arctic monkeys? <laughs> is it Maroon 5? No. Um, everybody talks, everybody talks. Uh, Zoe's getting how, pissed that we're doing How this. does Animal go? How does Animal go, Dan? Oof. I don't uh, know. All right. Just put anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. Oh, I would have never got neon trees. Neon trees is your answer, folks. Yeah. All right, yeah. wait. Go to the celebrities. Let me see. Let me see. Don't double check. Oh, to see the percentage. Yeah. No, I don't care about the percentage. Wait, what do you want? What's better? I want to see the pictures. I, Brandon Fraser was pretty good on that one, huh? Who the hell yeah. is Josh? He's Thor. What? What the? F Dude, this does not look like him at all. Not Thor. Who? Who's Josh Brolin? That is questionable, dude. Josh Brolin is in um, the Goonies. <laughs> no Country for Old Men. Men in Black. That's a tough one. Huh. Well. Not a great end, but a great episode, fellas. And great right. contribution. Uh, all right, fellas. Cheers. Have a good night. Go Zogs. Huge week ahead of us. Let's get it. Sweet. Good day. Lou. Deuces.